NFR Extra follows all your favorite cowboys, interviews legends of rodeo, and talks to the best of country music. Follow Nevada Caldwell, Ryland Bentley, and Steve Godert every week as they delve deep into the stories behind the road to gold in Vegas at the National Finals Rodeo. It's revealing, comedic, and sometimes emotional. Find it on Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts. NFR Extra. All dirt, all rodeo, all year. NFR Extra, Episode 70. We are just three weeks away from the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo in Arlington, Texas. Can you believe that, Brylin Bentley? No, this year has been crazy to say the least. And now we are three weeks away from our Super Bowl of Rodeo. And it's different this year. That's been my word throughout this whole adventure. But we're going to be in Texas very soon. Yeah, and just... Every single person we've talked to to this year, what an experience it's been. I know we're not there yet. Don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but it has been what a learning process of how the cowboy, right, has adapted or cowgirl has adapted to the entire environment that's been handed to them. And the guest we have on today, well, he's in Arlington right now, professional bull riders, uh, world finals, uh, Mr. Entertainer. All do everything. Uh, he's got his own podcast. He hosts uh, Outside the Barrel. Mr. Flint Rasmussen. Yeah, Flint is just an adventure all the time. There's really no way to explain him or his personality, but join him on the live stage there at Convention Center in Fort Worth, Texas. That will be a blast. I'm very excited to hear more stories out of him. But this story is a pretty good one. It's fun to see the difference that everyone has created throughout this COVID times, we call it here on the podcast, but it's been fun to see his way. I don't know, taking it all in, I guess. Out of all the people that we've had on the show, I, this was a different perspective of looking at the pandemic and how to handle it and, and really how he's dealt with it. But, you know, he's got a backbone and, and he really sticks with it of how he feels about this and where we're going with it and really how to get into 2021 with it. And um, yeah, Flint Rasmussen. Take a listen. But up next, Brylin Bentley's Rodeo News of the Week. This is Brylin's Bull, the Rodeo News of the Week. PRCA Stat of the Week. 74, the PRCA record number of career round wins made at the WNFR and the Clemmick Spadden National final steer roping by 2020 world champion steer roper Trevor Brazil. Brazil notched number 74 in round three at the NFSR November 6th. With a 2020 NFR on Cowboy Channel Plus streaming pass, you can live stream each and every round from anywhere on any device. Now through Thanksgiving Day, you can pre-order your 2020 NFR streaming pass at a special introductory price of $99.99, just $10 a day. Or bundle and save by purchasing an annual subscription to the PRCA on Cowboy Channel Plus for $169. With your regular annual subscription, you can enjoy all your NFR programming live or on demand, including the NFR pre-show, post-show, and nightly buckle presentation. 
And after the finals, you can follow your favorite athletes as they hit the rodeo trail for 2021 season. Next generation of rodeo stars will compete at the Junior World Finals presented by Yeti. From December 3rd through 12th at the Wrangler Rodeo Arena inside the Countdown Coliseum at the famous Fort Worth Stockyards, more than 750 youth contestants will compete for titles in nine events. Bull riding, team roping, tie-down roping, steer wrestling, barrel racing, breakaway, pole bending, mini saddle bronc riding, and mini bareback riding. Competition start at 7.30 a.m. daily and admission is just 10 bucks. Visit NFRExperience.com for details. Hey, everybody. This is Aaron Watson, and you're listening to NFR Extra. Flint Rasmussen is perhaps the most famous rodeo clown in the rodeo industry. From 1998 to 2005, he worked as an award-winning rodeo clown at the Wrangler NFR, where he earned the title of PRCA Clown of the Year for eight consecutive years and won the Coors Man in the Can honor seven times. Since 2006, he has been the exclusive entertainer for the professional bull riders, his beginnings, however, are very humble. Flint Rasmussen, welcome to NFR Extra, sir. Um, I cannot think on a 70-degree day in November in Montana, anywhere I'd rather be than inside talking to you guys. <laughs> flattering, aren't I? Look how flattering I am. Oh, that's awesome. Clearly, we all know this has been a, a very interesting year and where it's it's led up to, but what's very interesting now and some two big finals that you're a big part of you've been past 20 years more so, but definitely the past 20 years, uh, you've been a focal point of both these events, the NFR and the PBR finals. Uh, and, and typically their backdrop is Las Vegas, right? And we're all used to what that, that brings, but now they're, they're in Arlington because of COVID. What does this mean to you? What are the thoughts, your feelings? What's going through you for someone who's been a part of both of these things and pretty much you, 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 you've, your career has exploded with both these. What, what does it mean to you going to Arlington and, and all this happening now? I think, I think you guys would agree. We have to balance the way we approach going to Texas for both. Like you said, I'm involved in PBR finals and NFR and have been for about the same length the first pbr world finals i did was in 1997 the first nfr i did was in 1998 so they pair up my careers they parallel each other so to me both events are synonymous with vegas like i tell people right now um yeah next tuesday i gotta go to vegas pbr finals i i don't know how many times i've said it i've called the Fort Worth Convention Center, the Las Vegas Convention Center, in every conversation I have. And so it isn't even, it's almost like the names of them, it, it's just Vegas. I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to Vegas. So, but on the other hand, especially in my position, kind of out front and a, a face of things, I, I don't want Texas to think that we think less of, of them but you know synonymous with vegas but very much appreciate texas and we know the history of rodeo and bull riding and and the significance of those events in texas it's it's a great it's a great thing that we are going to texas i think and i have refused the at least phrase in everything I do this year, at least we're working, at least we're here, at least, I hate that because, you know, every crowd I've performed in front of this year is about 35%. 
Well, I've made a living out of being excited for full crowds. So it is frustrating, but at least I'm working Mm. and that's hard. But I had an analogy because I think what we see now, you guys probably see this. You know, there's people who apparently don't watch the news much and they say, oh, yeah, it left Vegas back to Texas where it belongs. Now, now Texas will probably keep it and da, 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 da. It's like, holy cow. And I, I've, here's my analogy and I'll use it for you guys. And this is, again, I'm not trying to offend Texas, but I think you can relate. Just You're in high school, okay? And there's this girl that's, that's beautiful. She's shiny, as we like to say. And you want to take her to the prom. And you finally get her to go to the prom. You not only like her well enough to go to the prom, you really see this going long-term. This could, this could really go long-term this, with this girl. Well, a week before the prom, she gets sick and can't go to the prom. And it really breaks your heart. So you, you have all the stuff bought. You still need to go to the prom. And there's this girl that, you know, she's cool enough. Nobody else has asked her to the prom, but she's cool enough. So you ask her, and and she goes, she goes with you to the prom anyway. So at least you get to go to the prom, but it's not with the girl you really love. Uh, Arlington, Texas, is the backup prom date. <laughs> Vegas is the shiny girl that you love seeing and love going to the prom with, but at least we get to go to the prom. Right there, you go. I bet no one else, no one else on this podcast has has had an analogy like that. No, Somebody. not even close. We can just uh, wrap it up now. That was great. Thanks, Flynn. Yeah. I'm sure you're welcoming in, in Arlington will be substantially better now that you said that. That's just paving the road with barbed wire and nails for yourself. But at least you'll be there. But at least you'll be there. Right, Lynn, I'll pick you up for prom on Saturday. Okay, we're good. No, I'm Got it. That was like last year for her, so it's kind of like <laughs> too soon. Yeah. Easy there. Yeah. It's been a couple years, you know, like four. But yeah. the past eight months, where have you been? What has been happening? How many COVID tests have you had to take? Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, well, as far as COVID tests, as we're doing this, me not knowing when it will air, um, just got results back that I'm negative again. Um, and that is, I think I'm at 20. I think that I'm, think I'm 20 and 0. I'm like a really good basketball team. <laughs> and it has been, uh, man, you know, there was a little bit of novelty to it. We did a, the, a PBR just north of Atlanta that first part of March. And that week they said, Hey, we just got word. No crowd this week. They're shutting down crowds for a couple weeks, a couple weeks. So then we get two to four weeks and uh, things will level out. We'll be okay. So there was that novelty. I honestly, I was a little burnt out physically, mentally, just never had a break last year going it through and, some things and some other things going on in my life. I thought three, four weeks, this will be fine. This actually I'll come back strong. Well, and here we are (laughs) all this time later. Now we did PBR. We did some stuff right away quicker than anybody in Guthrie, Oklahoma. We came up, we had the original bubble. And so we did some stuff without crowds where I did and then came to Vegas 
to the South Point where we did some team stuff for TV at South Point, no crowds. And I did TV commentary, our, our streaming network, Ride Pass. So that was interesting. It, you know, we joked before we went on the air about silver linings. Uh, people have learned to do technology. I have, you know, podcasts have gotten big. I do lot Facebook Live stuff and a podcast. There are some good things. I, I got to do some TV commentary type stuff. We then did our first show with a crowd, partial crowd, July, which was very early. And so we've been plugging away with partial crowds since then. Um, but it's just not the same. Um, always conscious of it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy in a place like Montana to drive down the street and do things and forget it's going on. And then you get out on the road and you have a 18,000 seat arena with 4,000 people in it. And you can't go here. You can't go there. We've been, our, our, our restrictions have loosened up a little bit when we're on the road with PBR, but still, uh, it's, it's depressing. It, my brother, Will, who's a great rodeo announcer, you guys know, he put it a good way. He said, we in the entertainment business choose this business for a reason. We, we need that fulfillment of what crowds give us. And he said, everything that feeds us figuratively and literally has been taken away from us. So figuratively that crowd reaction, that response that fills this, whatever that hole is that we all have and literally feeds us economically, financially, everything was taken away. And the hard thing was there was nowhere to go to solve the problem because every corner you went around, everybody was going through the same thing. So it's not like you leave this area and go get a job over there because nothing was happening. I was lucky with PBR. I'm an employee of the company, so I did still do okay financially. And so that helped. But the rodeo business, guys that you know are going to the NFR, guy, announcers, man, hundreds of thousands of dollars. It cost everybody, each of them, and it's, and my brother Will said it too. I'll quote him a few times. Usually it's the other way around. Usually I'm the brains. Of <laughs> but um, he told me the, the financial, the money part of it was easier to deal with than the emotional part. of it. So that, I think that's kind of what everybody's discovering. So what a perspective Flint. Let's hit the pause for a break. And when we come back, while we know this is a rodeo podcast, we're all things Western lifestyle. We're diving into teaching, coaching, history, and mathematics. Cowboy Christmas. The Wrangler NFR's official gift show is coming to the Fort Worth Convention Center December 3rd through 12th. Don't miss the biggest and best Western gift show in the world. You'll find Western apparel, art, furniture, jewelry, and more. There's also a lineup of live events featuring country music stars and NFR contestants, autograph sessions, giveaways galore, and admission is free. Get more at NFRexperience.com. Cowboy Christmas. We're all in in Texas, and it's all here. Here is your chance to stream all 10 nights of the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo live. All the action live for all 10 nights and all for the pre-order price of $99.99 through Thanksgiving Day. It's the NFR Streaming Pass only on the Cowboy Channel Plus app. Hi, I'm Louis Messina and you listen to NFR Extra. We are back with 8-time PRCA Clown of the Year, Flint Rasmussen. 
So I let's let's back it up to something that doing a little research on you, what you were doing before. I mean, you grew up in the roadie business. You grew up in the Western lifestyle. However, uh, you were a, and I love this because this is something that you don't get into this for the money. So knowing that you did it and then where you're at today, I think is pretty cool. You were a teacher and a coach. What? I was right out of college. Yes. I was. Um, I, this, I, you're right. I, our dad was a rodeo announcer too. So I grew up around this. My mom always says, I know so much about rodeo and that's not a bragging thing, but I think, I think the underrated part of the job I do is how much I need to know about the sport, whether it was when I was doing rodeos or bull riding. And my mom always says I grew up on the steps of an announcer stand. So I watched everything from the behind the curtain. And so, but I never, I roped a little bit. I was a steer wrestler, all 135 pounds of me and not very good, but my family was in it. So usually there was a dance after the rodeo. So that, you know, why not? And, uh, but it was kind of on a dare. I was spouting off about how I thought I could do better. And it was my sophomore year of college. So I did well. And a contractor in Montana, little rodeos in Montana, Steve knows NRA rodeos in Montana. And that was my summer job. And I didn't, I think what has, what helped me in my career was I had no goals in the rodeo business. I had no goals of ever making a living in this industry. It was just fun that my summer job, I went to a different little town in Montana all summer. And every town I went to, it was the biggest party of the year because that's what rodeos are in small towns. So yeah, I, I graduated and got a teaching job in Haver, Montana. I taught math and history and coached football and track and thought that was kind of it. I was, okay, the rodeo thing was cool. That's great. But I kept getting more and more calls and people, hey, you do real well. You should try pro rodeos, you, you know. And so I did amateur rodeos, small rodeos for uh, I think Steve, I think you've done the NRA finals. Yeah, didn't you announce the NRA finals? Oh yeah, big it time. Yeah, it was great. And when <laughs> I was announcing, my brother Will was announcing. I was clowning. We had some great rodeo, but I did those five years. And I think people now, kid, I see young guys now. They do one years of rode one year of rodeos, and hell, they're ready for the Pendleton Roundup. You know, it's like let's go. <laughs> and I just kind of cleaned things up and sharpened up what I was doing. So by the time I joined the PRCA, I, I kind of was ready, even though I still had a long ways to go, but, um, gave it up. I was 25 years old and decided to just try it for a couple of years. And here I am. So I guess it's like I'm in prison. <laughs> yeah, but you're like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry about your prison cell. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> but think about this. I mean, you're a devil. Look, man, you're a smart cat, devil major, history and mathematics. That's a, those are some good degrees right there, man. That's some good uh, beer talking, hanging out, sharing some information kind of person, right? Yeah, I uh, I whoop some of that out and I do these Facebook live things and people will try to get me. And uh, my, my most recent Facebook live happened to be on our election night. And I educated everybody on the electoral college and explained, I'm right. And everybody's like, 
wow, nice job. You know, I got a quadratic formula. It's right here every time. So, but I will say this. I think um, I recently interviewed Justin McBride. Justin McBride, in all our years of traveling, when he was riding, we'd get on an airplane and he'd have a, a book this thick every time. He was a reader. And it shows in how he does now. Now he's part of TV. His vocabulary, um, the things he references. I think there's nothing greater, especially in a position that I'm in, maybe I'm out with my makeup or whatever, than having I, I, the funniest people are pretty sharp or they're, I like to say, well-read. You know, in the arena, when I s- recite the first paragraph of the Gettysburg Address, people love that stuff, you know? And so, I don't know. It makes uh, good humor to me is smart humor. And um, so I hope I try to portray that. I don't, my, my character I am in the arena isn't the bumbling clown. It's more the cool references and song references and movie references. I, I mean, I hope that comes across, but that that's kind of my goal. I I've always said like, if you don't think the show, the office is funny, it's because it's intelligent humor and you don't get it. <laughs> yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. That's like the funny thing to me also is like, when you see the parallel on this of like, <clears throat> when somebody bows up and wants to start a fight, it's like, you ran out of things to say. And it's like when somebody's trying to be funny and they take their shirt off and they're like, ah, it's like, ah, you lost them. Didn't you? That's kind of the the running for the nude thing. I got a question really quick, man. As far as, like you said, you, you know, cool, humble beginnings and that, um, you know, the rodeo side of it, but with the PBR side, the NFR, the big shows that you're doing, you referenced your brother, Will, with regards to like the entertainer value of, you know, there's, there's kind of the whole of this is what we do. But when you go and you're doing those shows and there's hardly anybody there and it's like, well, and you can't say, well, at least we're working. Cause when you show up there and when Flint Rasmussen just walks in the arena is like, Hey, you know, Sacramento, California, and there's 20,000 people there and it like blows up. It's like, okay, we're, we're riding bulls or we're rodeoing or whatever it is. And you feel that energy given back to you. How hard is it now I like how much harder physically is, is it on you and your performing ability when there's, you know, good yeah. seeing you Flint. A good point. Uh, another good point is uh, I, I have really one of my things is uh, most of what I, I would say 75% of what I do in the arena is um, what the crowd gives me back like what my exchange with them will be is. And a lot of that all cross the fence. And I, I can't as much anymore because phones have kind of taken that away because everybody wants a selfie and it's gotten a little harder, but I'll walk up and people just, when you break that barrier, it's like, <gasps> people love that. Well, I can't do that. I can't go in the crowd right now. That's the rules. You know, you yeah. can't go in. I can't give my hat away to somebody like I do. I, mm. there's so many things that I'm restricted with. So, but you bring up a great point because I always said, yeah, I mean, we go in and uh, Sacramento, California is a good example because it sells out. There'll be, you know, 15,000 people there. Oh my God, you were amazing at Sacramento. Well, that's easy. When it's sold out, 
and there's three guys that were 90 points or maybe you're at a rodeo where the bulldogging was amazing and Casey Field was 93 in the bear, but that's easy. I mean, hell, that's, you know, that's an easy night. It's the most fun, but it's easy. The ones that are hard are a Sunday afternoon uh, in Oklahoma City where crowds are pretty quiet anyway, and there's 5,000 people in a 12,000-seat arena, and that's hard. So now every show is hard. Mm. Uh, I've had to – I'm working now. We have PBR finals coming up, and not only – all of the things we just said, but it's in AT&T stadium. And I've, I've worked in there when there's 45,000 people and it's still hard because you can't even see their faces because mm-hmm. they're so far away. Now we're going to have 18,000 in there in that stadium. So I'm going to have to, I'll tell you honestly what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to go on YouTube the, seriously and pull up old videos of me. I'm going to Google my name on YouTube and remind myself of material I've used and make notes and bring some of that back because I'm going to need actual material mm. and on that deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is. I know we as an organization, no matter what the state says that we're in or whatever, we as an organization currently maximum that we've sold uh, is fifth pods of tick t- tickets sold at 50%. So when I walk out into that arena, getting all excited, I know, for example, a few weeks ago in Nampa, Idaho, Saturday night, we sold every ticket we could sell everyone and cheated a couple. And we were at 38%. Mm-hmm. So you just, the mentality just got to change. Now, a lot of those crowds of people that have gone have been very excited and very good crowds and wonderful, but still, there's a lot of empty seats in there. So mm. it's made me, I don't know if it's kept me young or made me old. I'm not sure, but, but yeah, good point. It's uh, just so everybody knows the, the sold out 20,000 ones. Those are easy in my mm-hmm. book. Well, no, I mean, not easy. I don't want everybody to think my job's easy. I mean, it's really hard, man. I am not sure that there's been anything easy about this year. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, We're going to dive into your relationship with your father and what it's meant to your success. NFR Extra follows cowboys, talks to legends and country stars, and finds the stories that make up the season that leads to the annual showdown in December. Follow me, Nevada Caldwell, Brylan Bentley, and Steve Goder as we delve deep into the stories in and behind the road to gold. Listen to NFR Extra on Rural Radio, channel 147 on Sirius XM, every Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, with our re-air Tuesday in the same time slot. NFR Extra, all dirt, all rodeo, all year. Here is your chance to stream all 10 nights of the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo live. All the action live for all 10 nights and all for the pre-order price of $99.99 through Thanksgiving Day. It's the NFR Streaming Pass only on the Cowboy Channel Plus app. Hi, I'm Caleb Bennett and this is NFR Extra. Flynn Rasmussen is here on NFR Extra. Your job requires a lot of athleticism. You, Mm. you know, run around the arena. Sometimes you ride roller coasters. How important is it to keep in shape throughout the season or just keep active? The hardest thing, uh, there's a lot of Cowboys. Ty Murray said at one time, your body will dictate what your career will do. Your body starts to dictate 
And I've had a lot of people say, Flint, you can do this for a lot more years. Just go out on the middle stage and, and don't do it like you've done it for years, not so active, which obviously I'm not as active as I used to be, but you create the illusion you are. But I will never uh, completely change my style because that's the style that made me what I am. And I don't want crowds to go in and go, uh, remember when he used to dance around and run around now? I never want to do that. Um, I'm 52 years old. I know, Bradley. I know. Your eyes just got big. <laughs> um, and so the physical part of it, uh, it, it, even though I'm just doing the funny stuff, the entertainment stuff, there's a danger factor always being aware of what's going. And sometimes every once in a while I'll slip on the fence a little bit as a bull's coming. I think, Oh boy, that's, you know, I can feel it physically being different. I have to work harder. I, I have, it's weather's been nice in Montana too. So I run, that's probably my go-to exercise is take off and run three and a half, four miles. And, uh, but it just hurts worse. It's harder and harder all the time. And, when it's like I, I was an athlete, I played basketball and football. You used to really condition. And because I remember the coaches would say, and this is true, as your body gets tired, then your mind gets tired. And that's when guys, if you're not in condition, like in a football game, that's when guys start jumping off sides, holding, because they're tired. So their mind's not, they're not making good decisions. And I notice I, want, I need to stay in shape because my mind doesn't work in the funny department like it should. So as, um, uh, you know, as time, I want you guys to know I was distracted for a second because Bo Gardner from Las Vegas events just texted me and it flashed across my phone. <laughs> um, so I try to keep in shape for that too, but yeah, I think I've done okay. I, I see people I graduated high school with or that tell me they're the same age and I go, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> okay. <laughs> Gosh darn it. Yeah, you see somebody smoking a cigarette on oxygen in a chair and they're like, Yeah, I'm forty five. It's like, Oh God, you're the most shot out forty five year old I've ever seen. Yeah, man, I'll tell you, we're pretty close to the same age. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the years, it's the miles. That's right. Bad ones there too. Yeah. So how did, um, so you talked a little bit about like growing up on the steps of the announcer's booth there with your dad. How did that dynamic and that relationship, um, did your dad have much influence when you were growing up or when you're kind of thinking about wanting to be a, a full-time rodeo entertainer? Yeah. And my dad, I wish, I wish there were, there were some, there's announcers out there. I wish my dad, he was an old school announcer never talk during the ride, never judge the ride when you announce, you know, he was that older generation, but he was the greatest straight man ever. Um, and now keep in mind, I started too when you didn't wear a microphone, everything you did went through the announcer and he translated it. Remember that was, Oh the, yeah. Yeah. The well, what's announcer. in the hat? Oh, there's a something out of the hat. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing? We're having yeah. a road here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he would, it was as if he never heard one thing I had ever done. And, you know, when I started, I told some of the old rodeo clown jokes. And um, 
so he was really, really good at that. And, um, but he did things like timing things, you know, I I've learned that, Hey, if it's the, uh, an unranked bull rider, nobody's ever heard of, we can talk until he nods his head. If it's Sage Kimsey or JB Mooney, step back. There, there are times the announcer has things to say and you have to know as the performer in the arena, the rodeo clown, by the, by the way, I didn't rename myself the entertainer that somebody else did. that. Um, uh, you got to know that sort of thing. I'll tell you the other thing he taught me was, and, and some people expect this. He, I'll never forget. He said, let me tell you something. If a, if a rider is hurt or even an animal has something where they're tending to an animal. There's nothing funny about that. And there's no need to distract people. Don't talk. That is not a place for a rodeo clown to step out and fill space. Now, a lot of them think that, Hey, this guy's hurt. Go do something wrong. I've refused. I've told rodeo. No wrong guy. Sorry. So I'll never forget that. He taught me that to this day. I've, I've carried that on and told young guys, somebody's hurt animals hurt, which is rare, you know, for both really more than people think nothing funny about it. And matter of fact, we have a protocol the shows I do that if somebody is hurt and invisibly where it's going to take some assistance and it's, um, you know, some medical assistance. So people aren't looking to me for that. I leave the arena actually. So anyway, those are the, those are the kind of things my dad taught me. So a lot of these guys won't be able to ever have your dad, you know, coach them through that deal. But what have you ever thought about doing the, the next step for Flint Rasmussen on the, on a school side for, for rodeo clowns? Uh, yeah, I've had a lot of people ask me that and I don't know what I'd have to put, I should put together like an outline of what I would teach or do I show videos? Um, I could show videos, you know, I, I did when we were on full lockdown, I, I was doing this Flint from home show, like three segments. Uh, it was for PBR actually. And there was, I don't know how many I did, but I'd show a, a video of from YouTube about some material that I did or a moment in a show and explain what I was thinking at the time and why I took it a certain direction. So maybe that would work. But I think more than that, I would teach things like what I just told you, um, what my dad taught me. I'd teach uh, maybe how to do business and deal with committees. I see a lot of guys now where they'll have um, Joe Schmo Idaho as a rodeo and Cheyenne calls, and they send somebody else to Idaho and take Cheyenne. Mm. And the first two years I did giant frontier days, I didn't do the last four days because I had a contract at Deadwood, South Dakota. And I just can't see a lot of young guys right now doing that. And it pisses me off. Honestly, I don't think it's a good way to do business. They hired you for a reason. And if you can send someone else and that's okay, then the first someone wasn't all that great. Yeah. That's harsh, but that's how I feel that, Ways to do business, ways, I don't know. I, I guess the ways, I to, ways to do business, just always be 50 bucks less than whoever has it now, right? Just to keep the ethics there. The guys tell me, I mean, <laughs> I'll never forget. I mean, let me tell you, 
I used to go to the the convention, as you know, and rodeo. And the big worry was you're undercutting us. He's charging less. That's why he got the rodeo. Well, if he only got the rodeo from you because he charged less, then you must not have been that great. You know, mm. like what? What do you mean? And the big thing about everybody, uh, am I getting controversial here? Nah, no, no, nah, you're fine. The big thing in rodeo always kill me to go and say, hey, that guy charged that. That's what you should get. Everybody should make the same. Yeah. And, I thought, and I used to say, if you guys all want to make the same, go be school teachers. And then it's, all, it's right there in writing. And I used to use the example, um, you know, George Strait gets more for a concert than Dirks Bentley does at that time. Dirks is good. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, at that time, there's a reason. Everybody wanted to see George. It wasn't the same, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so, uh, yeah, that was always an interesting dynamic to me in rodeo is the constant worrying about what other people were making and being public about it. Oh, look at, I heard he underbid this, this, this. I, I would like to think that I never lost a job because someone else was cheaper, which tells me one of two things. Number one, either it didn't matter and I did a really good job or I already was the cheapest one. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It's, uh, that's some good stuff, Flint. We got to take a break. But next, we're going to dive into a very important, just let's say it's an extremely important date in your life. March 11th, 2009. We'll be right back. Cowboy Christmas. The Wrangler NFR's official gift show is coming to the Fort Worth Convention Center December 3rd through 12th. Get more at NFRExperience.com. Cowboy Christmas. We're all in in Texas, and it's all here. This is Brylin Bentley from NFR Extra. We talk to cowboys, legends, and country stars and delve deep into the stories in and behind the road to the gold in Vegas. It's revealing, comedic, and sometimes emotional. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening right now. NFR Extra, all dirt, all rodeo, all year. Hey, everybody, this is Matt West, and you're joining us on NFR Extra. We are kicking it with Flint Rasmussen. You've created a bar, and this is the truth, man. You've created a bar for your peers that, uh, to Steve's point, man, you would be helping out the business by sharing that knowledge and for people listening to this. I mean, it, it helps. I mean, it just, rodeo... Sometimes, like, we're all get, uh, I think uh, Andy Siler said, it, we get so staunchy and we stick in our ways and we don't listen to what else someone else says. But you've created a bar, as I've seen from the Vegas perspective. You really have, man. I mean, you've created a bar that I think a lot of people, if they if just try to do 50% of what you do, it helps out the industry in a way that I think the fan benefits from that. I mean, personally. I appreciate that, and I hope so. And, I mean, I've taken it. I host stage shows and doing things because that's what I always liked to do. There, there's one thing that, you know, I would tell young guys, and this will tie back to what you said, what you do in the arena, take what your talent is and expand on it to entertain the people. Everything I did was what I was good at. My clown acts, I had a piano act. Well, that was music, you know. Now everybody wants clowns to dance, including, you know, at the NFR, you know, Sean Davis would everybody after me come out before the bull riding and dance and get this crowd going. That's not their gig, man. That's, <laughs> you know why I danced in, in the arena? 
because I remember one of the first rodeos I went to where they really used music was in North Dakota for Jim Mossbrucker, and he's a PRCA stock contractor. His daughter ran the music, and they busted out that music during the bull riding, the whole tone changed, and I did what I naturally have done since I was a little kid. I started getting down. No, it was what I always did and throw some Michael Jackson in and nobody expected that. I did that because that was, that was just what I did. So now everybody says, Oh, that clown doesn't dance like you. That's cause you know, that's not his deal. That's like wanting George Strait to do a concert like Garth Brooks, both equally wonderful, both equally great entertainers, but completely different styles. So um, so I think the expect, I, I hope I appreciate your compliment and honestly, without sounding arrogant or anything, I had that goal. I hope I have raised the expectation that when you are working a rodeo, you, you got it. It's about entertaining and not taking over the show. It's not your show, but yeah, the, there's way too much to do in this world to not give a product that people want to pay to go see because they can see anything they want at any time at the push of a button. So we got to give them something that they want to see. And, you know, now with PBR, I'm more ingrained in the production of it, not just the clown that pops in once in a while. So I don't know. I appreciate it. And I like to think that I raise the expectations of that job a little bit. I'm going to bring up a date. You just respond. Oh. This is going to switch gears on you. March 11th, 2009. Um, I have a cardiologist appointment tomorrow. <laughs> wow. What a coincidence. Okay. I will tell you on March 9th, 2009, I had a, it was the second day of a PBR in Kansas City is where we were. That day I had, to this day, I look back, probably the greatest Sunday afternoon performance I've ever had at a PBR. I don't know what it was. Kansas City's really good. And I was everywhere. A few weeks before that, for a, a joke, we put a pedometer thing on my shorts during the show in Sacramento <laughs> to see how many steps I could get in during the show. And I did the whole show. I just kept moving around to rack up the steps, but I had a great show in Kansas city, went home the morning of March 11th. It was, I was getting ready to go work, go for a run down the highway. We lived out in the country and it was like 10 degrees. It was a unseasonably crisp, cold morning in Montana. So I set up, stations in my house. My, my treadmill was broken. So I set up all these stations and my wife at the time, I said, come do these stations. And she kept trying to talk to me when I'm working out. And I'm like, don't talk to me I'm tired. She said, you know, I've heard that if you can't talk while you're working out, you're working out too hard. I said, apparently I am. And she quit. She went to the other end of the house. And in the meantime, I finished my workout and it felt terrible. And afterwards I went and I got a drink of water and I started getting nauseous and dry heaving. And, and then it was like, I was drinking hot water and I mean the sweat, it, it just was not good. And, um, 
I waited and waited and it got worse and worse and worse. And I said to her, I went and told her that. She said, well, maybe I should take you to the hospital. And I went and got in the car in the garage and she couldn't find me. And she looked out and she said, you're serious. I said, mm-hmm. and I couldn't talk. And so, yeah, so I went to Shoto, Montana and they stabilized me and life flighted me to Great Falls. And um, yeah, so it's been 11 and a half years and I had a, a pretty, pretty bad heart attack and got two stents put in. Uh, it's funny, then the news release came out from the PBR on their website. Flint Rasmussen suffered a mild heart attack at home. He'll be fine, blah, blah, blah. And the doctors came to me and said, whoever writes your press releases needs to know. You had it. You almost died. This was a bad heart attack. You know, I didn't think much of it. I found out years later, this is funny. I found out within the last year and a half, Randy Bernard was our CEO at the time, and he had a big meeting with every the media department and said, call it a mild heart attack. Putting putting the spin <laughs> on it, leave it to Randy. We don't want our, our fans to be concerned and think he'll never come back. He had a mild heart attack. So he he twisted the story <laughs> so that fans weren't concerned. And so, but here I am 11 years later. Uh, I, and I have an appointment this week just to renew some prescriptions. I go in about every year and, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I'm okay. I can't work out as hard. And I think about it every single day, honestly, my life, my personal life and stuff. I've had a lot of anxiety and stress in the last few years and I've worried about it, but I seem to seem to be okay. Um, I didn't, you know, they found a heart in there. So that's, a plus. <laughs> I guess I learned that. So, but yeah, that date, that's funny that you bring that date up. I always reference March 11th. I always, I always remember it. And I remember where I was before. And then uh, I only missed, uh, I was out. It was like 37 days from the time I had a mm. heart attack to the, when I stepped in the arena again. And the event I came back at was the PBR in Billings. And so that was pretty thrilling. I couldn't, do a whole lot. I wore a heart monitor and, you know, but slowly kind of came back. I don't monitor it much anymore, but yeah, it was, think about it every day. Wow. We've talked about what you did, what you do. And you've mentioned that you won't be rodeoing forever, obviously. Mm -hmm. What is next for Flint? Oh, that's a lot of, that's what caused a lot of the stress and anxiety that caused March 11th, 2009. Um, you know, I really like, um, this kind of stuff. Like I love doing this, you guys. So when you got a hold of me, like, of course, and I have my own podcast. I do, you know, outside the barrel, the podcast is according to Flint. I do the buckle ceremonies at the NFR. Currently I don't have enough of that to just make a living at it, but it supplements my living and hopefully that will develop into something, whether it's through rodeo, through the PBR, maybe, I don't know, but I can't go back to teaching. I, there's not a, I can't, honestly, you guys, I can't do crap like building things, working with my hands. <laughs> I got kind of one thing going for me and it's what I've been doing. So 
hopefully something comes comes out of it. I got a couple of years. This uh, 2020 might have bought me another year of working in the arena because it doesn't count. So hopefully these things develop that I'm involved in right now that um, I can do some speaking and some different things. There's a lot of days I want to stay in the rodeo and bull riding industry because it's what I know. And then there's days that the Western sports industry just pisses me off and I don't want it. What are we thinking? And I get frustrated and want to be in something else. And then usually I come right back to this. And, you know, that it's like being in the Western sports world, working in what we do is like family. Sometimes they make you real mad and you just want to leave. And then you end up there for supper anyway. So it's, that's kind of how I feel. So I don't know, maybe I'll do some schools. Some guy just suggested it. So maybe that's, that's what I should do. You should do a talk show, like a, like a legit, like you should have not what you do, but like something a la Johnny Carson, uh, Jay Leno. You know what I mean? Like that, you're made I for would, that. I, I would like that, that. That access into that world is so hard and slimy, but I think I could in a more rural America type, themed type thing, mm-hmm. possibly. Uh, so, yeah, I I like it. I, I really enjoy it. I say every year when I put that sport coat on and step out in front of the crowd, you can have that dirt and running around. That hurts my knees. I'll take this. I'll do this every time. Um you know, and uh, honestly, and Steve's probably been around in Vegas to hear this, but especially when I first started like doing the buckle ceremonies and even now there's a lot of people like should be a rodeo announcer. It should be a guy that still rodeos. There's a lot of people don't think I should do it. I, I really hate our guys and their guys. You know, I hear it in bull riding right now. And, and honestly, not PBR. What I mean, we don't. Re- we're we're all rodeo fans. Honestly, most of us go to the NFR and watch or work or whatever. But you hear about oh, one of our guys went to the PBR and did that. It, there is no our guys and their guys. Bull riders are bull riders. They just pick different places to go. And when I'm working at the NFR, I feel like that's my world my talk show the buckles um uh, i feel like i'm a good host i think it's a show in a showroom so it's not necessarily announcing a rodeo it's about giving the guys their recognition and entertaining the people there at the same time and i do feel like i belong and you know people are you know we should have one of our guys i said listen if you want to see my eight nfr buckles I mean, I think that determines maybe I've been one of your guys at one time. So, I mean, I can, I don't know if I even have all eight of them, but now, I the point, now I've stressed the point that I have eight <laughs> buckles, but um, rodeo, the rodeo meat world is where I grew up and it means, it means the world to me. And I like to consider myself still in the, the pro rodeo world. Um, I don't need letters in front of something. I work in the arena because the PBR path is what I took for my in arena career. But this is all my world, whether it's with you guys or at the PBR there, there is no, it's my mom always, when I was young, called it the alphabet soup of rodeo. Everything has letters in front of it and nobody, but us knows what they mean. Nobody. 
Oh, man. Well, Flint, this was good, man. This was, uh, this is cool stuff, man. This is, you took us down a nice little, uh, rabbit hole of, of Flint universe, basically from beginning to end. (laughs) Maybe a book. Hmm. (laughs) A historical novel about a dashing, dashing salt and peppered haired man that's still going strong and a murder murder (laughs) in the locker room at a rodeo and he's out to solve it, to save his family. I don't know. Through the eyes of a clown. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Well, sir, this was good though. Thank you. I really thank you for taking time man. come on. And this is, uh, Damn, this is uh we could do this for quite a while, man, talking to you. You're full of stories and information. Well let's uh how about we get back to Las Vegas, huh? Hundred percent. That's right. Let's go. Yeah. I miss it. I miss everything about it. Off we go. Good to see all you guys. Yeah, thanks, Good Flint. Good to see you. Thank you, Flint. Okay. Anytime. Let me know. Thanks, sir. We'll do Bye. We want to thank Flint Rasmussen for hanging out with us on NFR Extra. Want to experience more of the NFR? Then visit nfrexperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've been hearing on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. NFR Extra. All dirt. All rodeo. All year.